0: How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Um, I'm doing so. I'm doing good. I had a little bit of a. I guess you could say my temperature for this weekend was a little low, a little sad. Yeah. We. Uh, I cleaned out my closet. That was a big project I undertook. Um, the big goal is to redo my closet, but before you do the big stuff, you have to do the little stuff, and that was pulling everything out and going through it and. It was a lot of Tom stuff in the closet. And so that, that put me in a very sad mood. Last night was the, the first night that I, uh, (laughs) I cried myself to sleep in a very, very long time. Just the missing of Tom was just so strong. Mm. So that's, I would say that's how I'm doing. That's my temperature. So I'm, I'm coming out of, of the, the sadness from this weekend and going through all of Tom's things. And I'm not going to lie. Was I smelling and sniffing everything? Yeah, I was, Um, you know, was there any kind of odor, not odor, but you know, his smell, his scent. Mm. I missed that. There wasn't by the way, but I did miss not being able to just smell him.
1: Yeah. I missed that. Sorry. I'm, I'm just sorry that you had to have to go through that all the time. That it, any of us have to go through that, you know? Yeah, it's part of this journey
0: that we're on. Um, it, it's going to happen. We're all going to, especially when you're dealing with terminal disease, there is going to be that time that you, you know, in the beyond part of it, that you're going to have to face, you know, the things that were left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a good job when he was alive to take care of many things. So like when we had uh, quilts made for Tom, probably about two years before he passed, I had, how many did I have? I had five quilts. That's a lot of quilts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used his military uniforms. I used all his business shirts that he wore to work and his ties, so we we had um Trey had one made and then I had one made for his mother and his dad and his sister and then I had one made for me. So I'd gone through a lot of his stuff so I knew there wouldn't be a ton of his clothes but there was a big section that was in the um in the corner, the back corner of the closet. And then there were some drawers in there that had paperwork and pictures it was, it was difficult,
1: mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm doing better today. Brings up a lot, kind of bubbles. It does. You, know, when you start looking at those things, it starts to bubble up. It does. Of- and, and I'm, I don't
0: stop it now. I don't try to not have the feelings. I'm learning that I have to have the feelings in order to process them and to move forward forward with them mm-hmm. and my son Trey did his closet as well and so there was a lot of things that he pulled out that were his dad's mm-hmm. you know because as I'm going through things I'll be like hey Trey do you want this this was your dad's and in the first six months it was yes mom I want him and now it's like taking a hard look is this something we want I heard him say which I'm I'm so proud of him I heard him say things like well I know this was dad's but I have pictures." of me and dad wearing this. So I don't really need the shirt anymore. Do I? I was like, no, you don't. If you have the picture and that helps with the memory, then that's all you need. And he goes, okay, well, I'm going to put this in the donate pile. I was like, I think that sounds like a good plan. Well, that's beautiful. Isn't that 21 years old? And that's where he was able to, to see the significance of you know, I don't need to hold on to it because I have the picture that really has the memory to it.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's really what we bring with us is the memories. Yes. You know, the so, things
0: we bring.
1: Yeah. So it was, um, it was a pretty
0: emotional weekend for the both of us, but he showed me his closet this morning. He finished it up last night and super happy as a mom that got cleaned out. I have more hangers than I know what to do with at this point. So they'll go back to the cleaners, Mm. but yeah, that was, uh, that's kind of where our temperature is or my temperature is. How about you?
1: Well, mine was a little cold too. We had a rough night last night and I have a lot of, you know, arthritis problems and rotator cuff problems in addition to having had my thumb surgery. So I'm feeling all of that right now which makes sleeping difficult. And that's tough when you have to be so on during the day. And then Tom's glucose meter went off during the night and I had to get up and check that to make sure it wasn't too low. Uh, We don't have to handle, you know, we didn't have to handle that at like three o'clock in the morning. And then he got up with me, which is a running joke that you and I have. He he knows it too, but whatever, he got up with me and then he must have to go pee like a bandit because once you're awake, you just know you have to go. And then he, he can't get the machine off and he can't sit up in bed unless somebody helps him. And I, I'm i like stealth in the morning. I get out of that room so quiet. I almost tiptoe out the door. And then I saw him turn his iPad on and I was like, damn, he got up. I don't even have like my first cup. Like I just want my first cup. In peace, I think if I had to draw any boundary in my life, it would be one cup of coffee in the morning. If that was like a real hard line for me, it would be one cup of coffee. But I think it's because I wake up so hard because I do hurt so much in the morning. It's Mm -hmm. hard for me to do all the other tasks. And then he needed a shot when he woke up and then he needed something to eat with the shot. And then the dogs need to eat. And I was like, I was almost in tears. I was like, I didn't even have a sip of my coffee (laughs)
0: Tom, oh, you weren't supposed to wake up this early. Stop doing this. Stop
1: <laughs> You're so <laughs> selfish. It is. It does, it does feel like it feels selfish when I talk about it. But at the moment, it feels almost righteous.
0: <laughs> you know, maybe people that haven't lived this kind of life would be like, oh, my gosh, that's so horrible that they're saying that. But I think as caregivers, we just would find, you know, we find those moments. For me, mine was always. Uh, mornings were always just absolute shit shows. Um, but it was at night, you know, if Tom went to bed, we didn't have any, any caregiver or any help in the house. I am not a stay up late kind of girl. I am the girl that goes to bed early. But I found that when Tom would go to sleep at nine, nine 30, of course, you know, you're pushing the sleep meds at eight. Um, when he would go to bed, that was the quiet in the house. The dogs were quiet. My son was quiet. There was no television or news going on and I could breathe. I loved when everybody went to sleep, even though I was so exhausted, it's like, I didn't want to waste the quiet on sleep. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to take it in and know that no one was asking anything of me. Mm. And I could just sit, whether it was journaling or writing or getting on one of the things I'd always find myself doing is getting on VRBO and looking at places I could stay, like in the Caribbean. I love the beach. And I would just I have a, um, you know, a, a favorites in VRBO where I just find new places and just add them, hard them. Mm-hmm. And that was what I did in my quiet time.
1: Mm, that's great, though. So, that is a lot of mindfulness right there. Like, and you kind of need that in order to breathe through the rest of your days, I think, like to go to bed in that more quiet space. And yeah, because you know, as you're saying, you woke up and your feet hit the ground. If you slept all night, your feet hit the ground, running, caring for somebody else caring for two people, including, you know, because your son still lives at home, and he was in high school. So I don't know. It's a lot. It is a lot. When he gets up to me, I do get up like you, like the nighttime. I get up at five, like I turn my alarm on to wake up at five. And I don't know why I slept. Oh, I did sleep through the alarm. I do know why. Cause I had to get up for the glucose meter alarm and mm-hmm. then I overslept. And so he usually gets up at six 30 or seven o'clock these days, but he was up at five 30 and I have to really work hard on it. So I feel like that's what my therapy does for me. You know, going to counseling is, I don't really have any strategies from there, s- specifically strategies to deal with when I feel like stress. I've asked her to come to help me with that for this tomorrow session. But I'm already seeing myself working on it. Like, how can you take yourself down a couple of notches? Cause you're just going to set the tone for the whole day. That's cause that's what I do. I'll set the tone yeah. for the entire day. And I'll be so cranky about things, you know, because I didn't have my time. And I mean, and I get it, you know, he got up and he got up when he got up, you know. I don't think he's been feeling great either. So when he got up, I had to help him get up and and do the things that he needed to do. So I did get past it. And then I think I went in my office though (laughs) to have my coffee. So I wouldn't be in the (laughs) scene. (laughs) <laughs> I still had to have my space because then my other quiet time of day is now when we podcast is 3 to 5.30 and probably a little bit longer. He's been going in a little bit earlier for his respiratory therapy. So I think he's really looking at more like three hours a day. And then that's, that's time that I can have to myself as well from not doing all the other chores to catch up on it. So yeah, it was a little rough start. But I, you know, I got a nice workout in. I'm scratching for gratitude, which I, I will name this episode "Scratching for Gratitude" because it sometimes can be hard, difficult yeah. to find gratitude when I have my, my regulars. You know, I'm grateful for family, and I'm grateful for good friends, and I'm grateful for when we have beautiful weather. And those are just like standard ones but they almost don't mean anything anymore because I say them a lot which means I have a hard time finding gratitude it's hard to find gratitude in this life in this ALS life yeah I I, I hear but, you right it's not always difficult but there are days when it's like you know I see the things that progression in illness is which is more than it's been probably ever right in the last couple of weeks and um and that's it's a challenge to find gratitude. You know, yes, I have gratitude that he's still alive. Of course I do. I mean, it's common sense, really, you know, of course I do. But what else do I have gratitude for? And I only really know I'm scratching for it a little bit.
0: I like that. And and I agree. There are there were a lot of days during Tom's journey and even even now where it's hard to see what I should be grateful for. And I have my fallback gratitude. I'm just glad I have the fallback gratitude because man, that would suck going at the end of the day, you know, trying to be identified. You had nothing.
1: Do you have gratitude for your gratitude?
0: <laughs> I have gratitude for gratitude. Yeah. No, but I get it. There were, and and sometimes it's, it's also splitting that from being the caregiver just to being Mary or being Laura you need to have gratitude for you in your own life Mm -hmm. and not always the gratitude. Well, you know, and and I was, I mean, don't get me wrong. It was like you, I was grateful every morning he woke up Mm -hmm. because every morning that he was asleep, when I woke up, my heart would, I think I'd hold my breath and my heart would skip a few beats as I was ensuring that he was going to wake up in the morning.
1: Oh my God. I so identify with that. That happens to me several times a week. If he wakes up, well, seven o'clock is the latest. Like if he gets up, he gets up at seven, but if he gets up at um, 7.15, I start getting scared. Oh yeah.
0: It's like when your kids were babies and like they were sleeping a little too long, you go and like poke them just to see if they'll you know, stir, I would get terrified that something would happen to Tom at night and it would be, you know, waiting for him to wake up or, or he may have had a rough night and that's why he was sleeping in. But in my head, I was like, he has to be up and if he's not up, then of course something bad happened because let's face it, we're in the, you know, ALS is such a, we won the lottery, right? And mm-hmm. so for us, everything, you know, when is the next shoe going to drop? You mm-hmm. live your, your life like that, which is why it's, it's more important. It's very important to find gratitude in your day. But I think it's just as important to find that gratitude in yourself and not just the fallback of I'm grateful for my family and grateful for different things,
1: you know. Very true. And then there's time when you have to scratch for it.
0: And there are times you have to scratch for
1: it. Yeah, which that's where I was this morning, though it did change around. I did the last time on episode five, when we took our emotional temperature, I was very happy that I had good lab results back, but I had not yet seen my primary care doctor, which is always the follow up with them. You have to go spend time with them. And one of the things that I did when we moved here to Wilmington, was that we moved here three years after Tom was diagnosed with ALS, I decided we would have the same primary care doctor. There's an opportunity to make a change, because if you live in the same place and you've had your own primary care doctors, you know, partners had their own different primary care doctors, it's more challenging, I would think, to make that change. But we were making this big move. So I chose somebody who was, um, he, he was in the military. He was you know, he went in as, I think he did some of his training, I could be wrong, but, or he did it after he, he went to Duke Medical School, and then he did some training at, at um, Walter Reed. I think he went in the military, and like his debts were paid and stuff like that. It was a pretty, it's a pretty sweet deal for him. And he's just, he's brilliant. He was actually, I think, a doctor to, uh, when, when um one of the times that Bob Dole was in the hospital at Walter Reed, he was oh, like, wow in the rotation and had met Bob Dole. So that was that was a nice thing since we know Elizabeth Dole and we've both met Bob Dole. Um, so he has the military background, which was good for us because we knew we were going to be dealing with the veterans benefits. But I especially wanted him to know, from me, I wanted my primary, primary care doctor to have firsthand knowledge of what it was that my husband was experiencing with his disease with ALS because I felt that in the long run, the disease would obviously take its toll on him. It would take his life, but it would also take a toll on me. And I wanted him to be aware of it because the cortisol levels that we produce were under stress. It was so detrimental to us, you know? And I didn't want to have to explain it and have him be just some guy I'm talking about. I wanted him to really know Tom. And it turns out that it was such a good decision. Because Tom is so diabetic now, and that's one of the big daily struggle that we have. So when I had my appointment today, he said, well, um, what do you want to talk about? Because there's nothing to talk about. All your labs are good. (laughs) So, yeah, I was so, it was really nice to hear that. I've been really working hard on myself for, for quite a while. So it was, it was really, you don't have to scratch for gratitude on that one. No, I didn't. Full on gratitude for good, good health. Right. That was the turnaround in my day. So this morning I was scratching for gratitude and I meditated this morning and I usually try to find, you know, two things that I can be grateful for. And they were nothing extraordinary. (laughs) Like, you know, I don't, I don't, good health, but it wasn't extraordinary. It was my backup plan for gratitude. So that I move on to the, um, Body scan meditation right. check. I did my
0: gratitude check.
1: Boom. I'm grateful for the <laughs> my family. I'm grateful for the sun. I'm grateful. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Let's get to that body scan now and relax. And uh, and it was a great. It was a really good meditation. But I had the opportunity to speak with um, our our doc- our primary care doctor about some of the issues that I was having with diabetes, which for Tom, which was his insulin, the short acting insulin, how much to give him, and how insulin resistant he's becoming, what does that mean? And, and I tell Tom all about that when I get home, it's not like a secret that I'm keeping it from him. But because of his FTD, his short attention span, is it's maddening sometimes, because you can't never you can't leave there with the information that you needed. And I get I'll get right to the heart of it, which is what we talked about just for the podcast that gosh, it's almost like you're heartless sometimes, which we're not, we're just matter of fact, because we deal with death every day in our lives. You deal with the fact that your husband died. And I deal with the fact that at the end of this podcast, I could go in and find that my husband did not survive his ALS. Right. So always waiting for the other shoe to drop. And so like you said, if,
0: if we allowed the emotions to hit all the time, we would spend all of our time crying and upset that we have to just sometimes you have to kind of, I, I really see it as you have to build a wall.
1: Well, yeah, but well, you would never get to end of life plans. if No, you, you, you wouldn't were always falling apart. You have to, you do have to put, pull up your big girl pants and do the thing. As
0: You do. The- sometimes I think we come off a little harsh because we are so matter of fact about that, but it doesn't mean that it, that's just what we've had to do to survive it. That was our survival me- uh, mechanism.
1: Yeah, we're really mushy inside though.
0: We are, we're gooey.
1: Yeah, it doesn't take much for me to cry about stuff. I can't, I won't, I won't go there when I'm in a setting like I was with, in in my appointment today. Well, he gave me the answers that I needed, which were great. And I was able to share that with Tom numerous times when I came home (laughs) because he needs that repeated. He needs to hear that repeatedly. And so we did go over it and he'll probably need to hear it again differently when he comes up. And we'll have to do this for a few days until he understands how increasing insulin works. So we don't do a big insulin dump on them and then have a problem with it dropping. And then we talked about a DNR, um, not for me, but for Tom, the doctor and I did. And I we brought, I brought all that to his attention because it's really difficult for Tom to hear that the first time from somebody else. Yeah. Right. He can hear it from me, but to hear it from somebody else. we. I mean, we've talked about things that you've talked about with at the end of uh, your Tom's life we've talked about what that looks like for Tom and what he wants and who he wants there. And he just wants me there. And, and I'm going to honor that when the time comes, if I can, I'm going to honor that. And so I don't know that I can, you know, it all depends on what happens. We can't plan everything. You, you probably had one of the better plans because Tom was tricked but I don't know what that'll be for him. So we did have to, so I talked to our doctor about a DNR and then having that put in place the next for Tom's next appointment in November. And then I came home and I shared that with Tom and he he accepted that relatively calmly, which I, I really appreciated. I, And so that's a big grateful right there. But I have oh, yeah, absolutely. so much gratitude for that because I don't think that he always would have received that so well but he did, he did a good job with it. And we'll talk, we'll have to talk about it again, numerous times. Anybody who's ever dealt with somebody who has any kind of dementia, you're going to talk about it many times. And so, and I'm prepared to talk about it many times. It's his life. And that's the only reason why I brought that conversation up with our doctor, because we're, we're Tom's team. His, our doctor, our shared doctor is Tom's healthcare team. That's a very small team. He has an ALS doctor. But he's two and a half hours from us, just one way. Two and a half hours. He's not intimately involved in this regular care of Tom's, but his primary care doctor here is, and it's important that we keep that communication open, and that I understand what I need to do if Tom were to die in the house here.
0: Yeah, I, I'm super proud of you. I'm proud of you and Tom for for approaching. It. It's the it is one of the hard, even though you know where the disease is going to take you. And you know, these are conversations you have to have. It still makes those conversations so hard. Mm -hmm. And, and I shared with you that, that we had a DNR. um, We're in Texas, but we didn't have Tom's out of hospital DNR set until the week that he passed because he came off of his life support. And even though I knew it, I was, Gosh, I I thought I prepared everything and I in my head I was ready for it. But when it finally happened, it was one of the hardest to that point. That was super hard to make sure that that out-of-hospital DNR was signed. So it's going to be hard, but I'm really proud that you guys are moving forward to getting, start talking about those docs. Because, I mean, that's where it starts. It starts with the conversation. And it starts with taking the fear out of the conversation. So it's just another document you have to have when you have a terminal disease. Mm-hmm. If, if you want some sense of control over the end of your life, some people don't, some people can't talk about it. And then in the end, there is a loss of control. I think that's what these documents do. They, they give you more control over how you want to live and how you want to die.
1: Mm-hmm. And once you take care of them, the beautiful aspect of taking care of end of life plans is you really can just put it aside because you've you've done that really difficult task. What does how do you want to be buried? How yeah. do you want to have a funeral? Do you want to be cremated? How does the end look for you? Do you want you know, if you have siblings, do you want your siblings to be there if you can plan that? You know, obviously, if you can plan that, if you, if you've been on hospice, if can, or you're on a you're on a trach, and you know that that's going to be, you know, you've chosen a day. Like, there's so many variables in it, and to the degree that you can, the more choices you have, the easier it is to set it aside. Oh, I, I agree. Last week, I did, I did my
0: own end of life planning last week, last Thursday, actually. Um, And that was a super long appointment with attorneys trying to get everything set. And there was a lot of, I had a lot of anxiety going into it. I didn't realize how anxious it was making me until like I woke up early. I wasn't sleeping a few nights before, but when I walked out of that appointment, there was such relief that Trey would be taken care of that I think, between Tom and I, when we were alive, we never thought that anything would happen to the both of us at the same time. We knew it'd be one, and then then the other. And now that it's just me, there was there's been a lot of anxiety with that. So yeah, once you, you know, it's not done done yet, but you know they said it's gonna take like four weeks to complete. But there is a sense of just relief to know that that step is done. As hard as it was, it's done. And then in four weeks, I go sign paperwork and I can get put it in my binder and just tell Trey where the binder is. And I know he'll be okay, which is what you are doing. And and somewhere I hope Tom understands by getting his documents in place, it allows you to just set it aside and know that that decision is taken care of and you'll be okay.
1: He does. He trusts that I will, everything I do is in his best interest. And he, even last year, what did we do? Um, Maybe it'll be two years in February. So we prepaid funeral expenses and we did all of that. And then last year, I asked a friend of ours who is a pottist. He makes pottery. And what he did for many years is he made uh, urns. And every urn is different. He never does the same urn twice. And he's a veteran. He's a Vietnam veteran. We met him years ago um, doing some art workshops with veterans. And he became a really good friend of Tom's. And I asked him if he would he would make an urn. And I think he was blown away by it. It was hard for him to do because he loves Tom so much. He doesn't always feel that connection because, you know, he's doing it for people. And it yeah. is isn't. <laughs> thing to do for people and tom didn't want to be buried he wanted to be cremated we don't have any roots here in wilmington you know like my dad's buried in florida and who would ever go to his gravesite nobody nobody none of us live there is we have siblings in california i have a sibling in new york and i'm in i'm in north carolina so we're not going to go there so we decided to do this and gosh god love him he wouldn't even let me pay for it i tried oh, wow it's like, I kind of want to. I'm not asking you to do this for free. I'm just asking because I, I know that Tom would love to have an urn made by you. Yeah, so there's meaning to it. I have pictures of. I don't know if I ever showed them to you. I'll send them to you. Um, pictures of when we received it and how in awe he was of the urn. Because Buzz, Buzz, and I traded pictures. That's his name. Buzz and I traded pictures and what would look good and he had what was in mind and then he had cracked the top of the first one that he made and he redid it and he just wouldn't even take a penny and he was he was blown away that fact that I even needed to ask for it and I just said well I mean it's not imminent but that I know of but I just needed to know that that was done you know yeah it's one less decision you make and
0: the cool part is is that Tom got to see it Tom got to be a part of it and
1: know where he's going to be I think there's that's special yeah So the end of life plans are tough. They're important to do. We didn't have to race to do them because Tom's progression was slow. Mm -hmm. Some people have to race to do it and you have to get it done. But I do think that no matter what, you'll feel good just to have it done. So you can set it aside. It's not a
0: concern. I had Tom's
1: between Tom
0: and I, he, he participated a little bit in his end of life planning. I would give him ideas and he would, you know, I found as Tom progressed, especially with the FTD, it was easier just to say, you know, A, B, or C, and he would pick one. So I, you know, I would give him different options. And I am so grateful that we had everything planned. We had prepaid his, his, um, funeral. So that was done, but just the details that are in addition to the, you know, picking out the casket and the flowers and the different things that was all done when he passed before he passed. So mm-hmm. we were able to go over all of the, who would be his, you know, who would be there, who, you know, he wanted open casket just for family. And then once friends came in, you know, he didn't want that. So it was nice knowing that it was all all done. So when I went to the funeral home after Tom died, I just gave them the paperwork. I just, I'd been keeping a word document Mm -hmm. with everything. I just gave it to them and I sent copies to my family and they took care of everything. I didn't have to make any decisions Mm -hmm. after Tom's passing. And that is, I'm grateful for that. There's some gratitude in that. I don't have to scratch for that one. Um, A lot of gratitude in the fact that all those decisions were done before he passed. Mm -hmm. So I got to just, Grieve him. I
1: didn't. Wasn't forced to
0: make decisions.
1: That's good. That's good. It's good to be able to do that. And if you can't do that, that's okay too. Yeah. Find somebody who can help you do it then later. Oh,
0: you. I, I do. think you absolutely need someone to help you get through some of these things?
1: Hmm. Oh, well, so we found some gratitude after all. We did. Some good. Gratitude. I was in the grocery store after my doctor's appointment. Checking out, there's a nice gentleman checking me out. Uh, Maybe he was in his 50s. He has an English accent. And I've shared with you before, though I don't think I've shared on the podcast. I I watch a lot of British police procedurals and I really love them. I watched um, (laughs) Line of Duty, which was so good, listeners. You should watch Line of Duty. And now we're watching Prime Suspect. And you know who stars in that is. Helen Mirren and she's so good. It's like watching um movies, like old, old movies where directing was really good. You know, you could hear the the music is right and the close-up on the face is just right. It's just enough. It's not, you know, some of these shows you watch today, like the whole face is in the camera for too long, and you think. Can you put the you what why cut away to anybody else? Just leave that person's face on the camera the entire time They're just the whole the whole show is so good, and they're like over an hour it's like watching a movie every night, so we're watching Sister. so i felt I felt like I wanted to talk to him in an English accent, but I didn't embarrass myself. <laughs> I didn't do it funny, I was tempted though, so he said to me. What are you? So, what are you doing with the rest of your day? It's such a funny question to ask me because I don't, I don't think anybody's ever asked me that before. In a grocery store, so what are you doing with the rest of your day? I said, oh, well, I'm going to podcast. I'm a podcaster. <laughs> he doesn't even. He said, I, I don't know. I've never listened to a podcast. And I said, oh, wait, well, you should though. Sometimes they're so cool. And you get some good information. And he said, well, what do you podcast on? And I thought, oh, well, here you hey, go. A Lesson
0: Death. What is it? <laughs>
1: We talk about terminal disease, ALS. And that's what we're talking about. For those who are currently caregiving for somebody with a terminal disease and somebody who is done, they're in the beyond. They're widows or widowers or their family members that are bereaved from the person who had ALS. And so we said, no kidding. My wife and her sisters are going to see their aunt who has ALS in Tennessee. What's the name of your podcast? How can I find it? are you on YouTube? And I said, Oh god, no, not YouTube. We saw on <laughs> podcast. This is probably the nicest Laura ever- can't even figure
0: out how to put a Facebook page together.
1: <laughs> and a website? Somebody asked me, do we have a website? Are you kidding me? I didn't even wake up alone this morning. So no. <laughs> if I do anything at all, it's done either between three and five thirty where it's done before Tom gets. What your expectations, man? I haven't answered your email in three days. I will get to it. <laughs> okay? Don't worry about it. And so I did, I wrote it down for him. And so I think we'll have a new listener. We've been well-received and we appreciate that from all of our listeners who have talked about it and given us um, really nice reviews. It's it's beautiful because we really do put ourselves out there on this podcast. I, I've not held anything back. I think I've told all these listeners that I've, I'm in counseling. I have therapy now. I didn't even tell. I told my kids and my husband, and that was it. And you, and I really haven't told anybody else. So it went out there in the big wide world web, and I'm not ashamed of it. So that's not a thing. It's just you know, it's a personal thing to share. So it is. And I think it's funny that we. So for
0: our listeners, we we will talk before we we start recording the podcast, just to kind of you know just see how each other's doing, get feel get our own temperature. And before we're always like, well, I'm not ready to share this. And I don't think I want to talk about it on the podcast. And, and, you know, Mary will say the same thing. And then all of a sudden we're talking about it on the podcast. So it's, it is, it is hard. It's, it's uh, we're opening ourselves up. I mean, this is talk about being vulnerable. It, it really is, but we both feel very strongly that, that in order to help other people, so they don't feel alone and maybe so they're not scratching for gratitude just to share our own experience. Cause I, I think just based on the feedback that we've gotten people, our feelings are not unique. They're all very universal about love and loss and caregiving, you know, in this terminal space, but it, we're, we're touching people. And I'm very grateful for that. I'm glad that it's been received as well. It is as it has.
1: I was listening to a podcast this morning when I was working out. Um, we had, there are a few ALS podcasts and I'll, I'll give them some plugs here today. I've, I've not listened to all of them yet. There's two that I still have to listen to. This is the second time I listened to, I lost my person. Great. Podcast. I've been
0: listening to that one. Mm-hmm.
1: Really good um podcast. And I heard them, I heard them say Dave, that's his name, right? Dave is his name. I heard him say at the end, they talk about um it's it's Dave, what's her name? Allison? Shoot, I meant to Don't know get that. me to lion. I'm sorry if you're listening to my podcast and you are I lost my person host. I'm sorry. I'll, I'm going to look it up so I know exactly. I'm terrible with names. I'm that teacher who's terrible with names. Allison, it's David and Allison, and they both um, had a spouse that died um, from ALS. And so he, so at the end, they each share some special memory of of their person that died. And so David was saying that one of the things that he feels so good about, in with their podcast is that they're willing to share the good memories, and they're also willing to share the difficult ones. And I do like that about their podcasts, they do talk about some of those hard things. You know, we sometimes hear Allison get choked up, you know, and because the memories are so strong, and the disease is so hard, you know, it's so, tr- so tragically difficult. And um, her husband, Corey, was young, and they had young, he had young boys. And it's just so the emotions are so powerful. So I like hearing both of them. And i Feel like on our podcast, we give both. We have both have a great sense of humor. We have probably a little too much gallows humor. <laughs> we don't always display it here on the podcast. But we do have some pretty good gallows humor. And um and we, we hold
0: back a little bit.
1: I know we do hold back a little bit on the podcast. We hold back a little bit. But I have a feeling as we
0: move forward, it will just, you know, loosen up and it'll be like eh, it's just who we are.
1: Yeah, it is who we are. And that's how we get through, you know, it is when we see things that are funny and we just say them, we often think the same things are funny, which is really bad because it could make you really laugh the other day, which this, this has nothing to do with anything yesterday, Kate and I, and Kate is my daughter for our listeners, we were out on a bike ride down. I remember I sent you those pictures of Ford Fisher. The little yes. house. So we were there. You know, it's like an escape. I run from here. I get on a bike ride and I hope to hell nothing happens in the house. Right. With Tom. So we're there and there's this old lady who's been running for years. She's like in her nineties. Her name is Mrs. Moon. And I, I like adore her. I've never spoken to her. She's skinny as anything. Like she's skin and bones when I mean, she still runs and she rides her bike and, I've always wanted to talk to her, but I feel like if I do, it will demystify her too much for me. Cause right now I just have her on this big pedestal that she still <laughs> does this running and everything. And here's me with my lame feet and everything. with that's right. I'm like, I'm lucky to bike ride right now. So a year ago, I was like knocking out five or six miles when I was running. And now I'm lucky to bike ride. So she comes, we're, we're at a, at the end of coming, coming out, gonna make a right onto the road, the main road. And we see her coming and she, she's like, oh, Kate says, oh, there's that old lady that went, she's on her bike. And as she's passing by, I go, good morning. (laughs) Really loud. Like, (laughs) like so fangirl. (laughs) I couldn't even tell Kate because I thought I wouldn't be able to breathe. I'd be laughing so hard. Like I just lost myself in her, you know, I was like, Mrs. Moon, I love you so much. (laughs) And meanwhile, at the same time, my brain is thinking, Tom hasn't answered my text yet. Yeah. <laughs> but it's such a dichotomy there. This <laughs> is moon. I love you. <laughs> oh God. So that's why I like it. I like lost my person. Hey, they, they, they enjoy their podcasts together. They talk about some tough things and they talk about a lot of the good things they're doing. And they're a good voice for people to hear. If you're feeling like Nobody else is walking your path and I'm not there. I'm not, I'm not in your shoes and I'm not in their shoes. They've lost their spouses and I still get a lot out of listening to their podcast. And they also know about my favorite donut place here. Cause they talked about it on the podcast this morning, Brit's Donuts. So when you come here, we'll go there. Oh yes. And, we, and then we can talk about how we had our Brit's donuts early in the morning. <laughs> That's right. And then there's another one called the couples shift, which is a, a lovely podcast. He has ALS, and um, she's his caregiver. They she started the podcast uh, prior to him being diagnosed with ALS, and they talk about a lot of the challenges they face, just even just the everyday life with young children, which is complicated by having ALS. There's Beyond MND. Um, He is um, in England, and he was diagnosed this year with well, within the last year with ALS, and um, he's a beautiful beautiful voice he's a um is it because he's english and you have a thing for that now i do i have a question <laughs> on him, i think and he and he um yeah because i want to say did you watch line of duty <laughs> like, <laughs> what what about um prime suspect are you watching that um he is a barber by trade this is cool. you can see him on Twitter. I'll put a link to all of these in the show notes and then there's another one called I am dying to tell you and she has been podcasting for a long time and I believe that she has been living with ALS for 15 years so those and I I'm using all the pronouns because I never remember anybody's name so if you're listening to this and you're thinking you think she could learn the names that would it would be true. I could learn the names but I just finished stripping the sheets and and then, why well, I stripped the sheets earlier, but I washed them, dried them, and I just put them on Tom's bed like five minutes before we started our podcast. So forgive me for not knowing the names. <laughs> I've I'll never put, been good at names, so I'm just like, meh. Yeah, well, I'll, pu- I'll put it, I'll know them once I put them in the show notes, because usually, usually as the teacher knows here, I was a teacher, remember, so what what the more you touch a subject the more you touch something the more you learn it the deeper you learn it the okay. more you touch it the more you'll learn it so i have a little um poem for us if we can i read it for the absolutely ending? please do you know we don't have a great ending for our podcast like some people do so this, this could be it or it could not be it. It could be a, I read a poem a few weeks ago or it could be like a two off because this would be the second poem <laughs> or it could be never again. I don't know. So this is um from the book, All Along You Were Blooming. You can find this anywhere like on Amazon or anywhere where you buy books. But Morgan Harper Nichols is the author of the book and she writes the poetry and she does watercolor backgrounds, which is, in her book, if you can follow her on Instagram, and she is always posting something new and beautiful on Instagram. Her poems are really resonate. One of my neighbors gave it to me um, during the pandemic, where they, we were like dropping baskets, like surprise baskets, off for of people, and it was in my basket. So I really treasure. I, I have that book too. Oh, you do? Yeah. Did I send it to you, or do you have? I believe so. <laughs> Such an idiot.
0: I don't even remember. I remember. Which is funny because I that was in my closet that I cleaned out. And I was like, oh, look. And then you just brought it up. And I went,
1: that's where I got it. Oh, my God. I sent you something else, too. I guess you didn't get it yet. No. Maybe you'll get it today. Okay. So this is the one I like is on page 22. You have picked petals without regard for their stems, leaving them stripped of their color. And when you saw what you had done, you ran and ran and ran eastbound through the deserts to hide, never to return to flowers again. A new day is calling you to stumble into the sunlight where old ways of thinking are made right so you can be at peace to roam through flowery fields again. For mercy is always louder than sharp cries of shame. It knows where you have been, but still calls you by your name. Inviting you to step forward with the boldness to begin a way of living that gives freedom and to sow new seeds into the earth again. I love that. I think that was really appropriate for today because even as I go through this journey with ALS as an ALS caregiver on this side of it, I find new ways about myself all the time. And I feel more certain than ever before in the last few days that I'm exactly where I need to be to be here with Tom and to, to give him as, as challenging as it can be at times I still can never imagine being anywhere else but being right here I love that I love that Mary Yeah, and I see you in this poem I see you breaking out going it's not even a step back you know and cleaning the closets out and crying yourself to sleep, it's a step forward because you're acknowledging that that's a very human way to feel and to think and to cry yourself to sleep. Like what, what great love is that, that you could feel yeah. so much about missing the love of your life?
0: Yeah. I feel that I, and I honor him by honoring the feelings and the emotions. And I want to do that. I want to As hard as they are, sometimes I want to be in the moment with them because I think that's honestly the only way I'm going to move forward, not past them, but move forward and incorporate them into this new life that I'm, I'm living.
1: So, yeah, I love that. I'm so proud of you too. So thank you all along. You were blooming. That's us. And that's all of our listeners. Even if you don't feel like you're blooming today, you, you are. You're growing today. What that means for you tomorrow or the next day or next month or next year will reveal itself when it's ready to reveal itself. Yeah. All right. That's it for us today. We had almost tears and, and some laughter. I take the I like the laughter. Yeah, me too. The tears were OK, too. They are. but I didn't cry today. So, you know, I have mascara on. I don't usually wear mascara.
0: Oh, we would not want to mess that up. So glad we didn't have the full on tears.
1: I dry my hair and everything. I'm always going out in public. So I tried to be halfway decent looking today. <laughs> well, I
0: am not going to scratch any gratitude. I am so grateful for our friendship, Mary.
1: Oh, me too. It's the best. It is. I'll see you next time. Yep. See you next time.
0: Bye. Boop boop boop.